Well, good morning. Great to see you, and uh, we're glad that you are here, and we sincerely mean that. I, at least I do. I sincerely mean that. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I'm kind of out of a job if no one's here, so I'm, I'm really glad that you came this morning. Uh, my name's Tim Guptill, and I'm the, uh, one of the pastors here, the lead pastor on staff. And uh, if we haven't met, I'd love to meet you after the service, and I'm not that hard to find. I'm wearing a bright plaid shirt. And, uh, and I'd love to, to meet you and uh, get to know you a little bit. And we're, we're glad that you are here. This is the fourth and final week of our series, The Ideal Family. Next week, we're kicking off a new series titled, My Totally Messed Up Family. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, we're not. Um, next week, actually, we kick off The Blessed Life. And uh, make sure, uh, like some guys said in video announcements, if you don't have the free book, I'm looking at Peter. We got some books left? We do. If, you, if There's a free book waiting for you at the Welcome Center right after the service called The Blessed Life. And we want to get that in your hands and uh, make sure you have a chance to at least, you know, start reading it before next Sunday. That'll be helpful to you. Um, if you were here for the first week of the series, uh, that's the last time I... I preached here uh, a few weeks back, if you were here for week one, you would have heard me say that there really isn't an ideal family. Uh, The graphic, the ideal family was meant to be, that's meant to be kind of funny, kind of sarcastic. Um, Some people didn't get that. Uh, You should have, your first clue should have been that the husband in the family has hair. That should have been your first clue, but, but anyhow... The, the question is, how do I deal with the real family that I find myself in? Because life is messy, and we're all messy, myself included. And the family is the ideal place to work out love and grace and patience and forgiveness and all of those things. Uh, we have a rule that we use in our home. We used to use it, this rule more when the kids were younger, for sure. When, when you were never sure what would come out of the, their mouths. You know, those years, right? Uh, we had used to use this rule a lot. And if something happened that we wanted to stay inside the home and not be shared with the world, we would say to the kids, now, that's family, right? We just remind them, hey, that, that's family. And they knew right away that that, that that meant that that stays inside the house. Like, if you share that, I will, I will put your favorite stuffed animal through the shredder. Like, that's what that means, through the shredder. And it also means that, you know, the house is a safe place. Uh, you don't have to be perfect in the house. We won't share your secrets outside of the house. We won't share your embarrassments. We won't put you in a, in a bad light or put you in an awkward spot. And so that's one of the things we used to say with our girls when something like that was said or something like that happened or whatever. Just a little reminder, we would just say, now that, that's family, right? We get this understanding. Everybody agree? And they were all, yeah, yeah, we understand. We got it. That's, that's family. Sometimes we refer to the church as a family or as a, as a body. Maybe you've heard that, that expression. We're, we're a big church, but we're also just one big family. We love one another. Uh, this is a safe place. In fact, the church should be the safest place in the world to talk about anything. Should. And you don't need to be perfect in this family either. Uh, we want to encourage you. We want to support you. We want everyone in the family to be moving towards Jesus, but we don't expect you to be perfect. Okay? And if, if people outside the church think that, that this is a place for perfect people, 
or for people who think that they've got it all together, then we're not sending the right message. Because this church is a place of love and and grace and acceptance for anyone and everyone to experience Jesus. So church is more... Well, that's okay. Yeah, it's okay to clap for that. Because a lot of people feel like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm too messed up to go to church. Or, or those people all think they're perfect or, or, or whatever. And we're certainly not. Uh, church is more than a place you go to. It's a people you grow with. So this is, this is a family that you're, you know, we're all supposed to be growing in the family. That's why we encourage you to come every week. We promote regularity. Get it. <laughs> I was going to put that on a t-shirt once and thought, no, that's, that ain't going to work. Get involved. Get to know people. Uh, we need to worship together. We need each other. We need community. And people who show up, grow up. People who show up, grow up. It's just a part of being, you know, being a part of the, the family and all that, all that goes with it. That's, that's our goal, at least, that you would grow up in Christ. So we've been talking about the family for the past four weeks. Uh, anyone can make a family, but not everyone can build a home. Uh, you can have kids. It doesn't take long to figure that out. Right? You can, you can have them. Um, having kids and building a home are, are, are different things. I remember one time when I was, when I was a boy, uh, we were going for a drive. <laughs> I kind of feel silly sharing this, but we used to, Remember when people used to go for drives, first of all? Remember when that was a thing? <laughs> I don't know if we've ever taken our kids for a drive, and they would think, like, where are we going? This is, this is we're going to die. This is not good. <laughs> where are they taking us? But we used to go for drives. That was, that was, that was what you did. And, and uh, we used to go for drives through the nice neighborhoods. Anybody else do that? We used to go look at other people's homes. <laughs> is that how we, I'm from Graham and Ann. Did I mention that? the weirdest thing in the world and i remember one time making a comment about wow like that is a really nice house and my father said yeah but i wonder if they have a home and that that's i never forgot that that anybody can have a house but it's it's a different deal altogether if you if you're really trying to build uh, a home it was probably it was also probably part of my dad's way of saying you know hey we're okay with what we have you know, and, and don't forget that either. Uh, so anyhow, that's just, uh, just just a little walk down memory lane with Pastor Tim. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for traveling with me. Um, so with that thought in mind on building a home, we're going to parachute in on the closing thoughts of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is uh, the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew, all of Matthew 5, all of Matthew 6, and all of Matthew 7. Uh, we're just going to parachute in on the closing words of Matthew chapter 7. And we know that the crowds that followed Jesus included children and families. Uh, they probably took the kids out of school for a day for a Jesus field trip. But the kids were there. They didn't have Moncton Weston Kids World to send their kids to. So the kids were there. They didn't have nursery. The kids stayed with the parents. And so in this sermon, Jesus is teaching to uh, entire families. Uh, he'd be teaching to blended families, singles, teens, seniors, and basically everyone. And, and the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, he hits stuff like, like humility and character, loving your enemies, giving to the needy, prayer, worry, spiritual disciplines, not judging others, trusting God, uh, not being misled by false prophets, and, and a whole bunch of other topics. 
And we're going to just look at the closing thoughts of this great, this great sermon. This is the thought that Jesus wanted to send everyone away with. This is, this is Jesus' exclamation point. Bang. On that whole entire, the whole three chapters. Bang. There's the exclamation point. This is it. Uh, we're going to throw it up on the screens here for you. It's Matthew chapter 7. And begin reading in verse 24. Where Jesus finishes his sermon by saying, Anyone... Anyone, anyone in the original Greek means anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house. It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand when the rains and floods and snow come, and the winds beat against that house, it'll collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of the religious law. Now I want to follow that up with just one, just the first part of Psalm 127, verse 1 where King Solomon, King Solomon wrote two Psalms, and go ahead and throw it up here, where Solomon said this, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. That part right there, just the first part. Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Jesus gives the crowd a a mental image of some person who is looking for a building site and they chose wisely. And we're all builders. We all make decisions about what we're going to build on, and so choose wisely. And Jesus is holding out his truth. I mean, it wasn't written then. He's, he was speaking it, and they're passing it on and passing it on and passing it on. People are, are, are capturing his thoughts, and they're repeating it and repeating it, and they're memorizing the, the teachings of Jesus. And he, he, he holds out his truth, his teaching, as trustworthy building materials. Jesus says, if you, if you take what I'm saying... And you use it as a foundation for anything. It will hold. My truth will hold. It, it won't disappoint you. It won't fail you. It's, it won't let you down. It is solid. And we, all, we all start life by having others build into us. I mean, you're, you know, when you're, when you're an infant, when you're a toddler, you're not, you're not building anything. We start life with, with other people building in to us. Your parents build into you. Your siblings influence and build into you. Your grandparents influence and and build into you. And significant people in your life pour into you. And they shape you. And they mold you. And they influence you. And then as you you mature and you grow up, uh, they build into you a little less all the time. And then you start to build your own life. There's a, a transfer in management. And you take on responsibility for your own life. And then you start to build your life. Or at least that's the way. Uh, it doesn't happen that way with everyone. But that's, that's the way. It's, that's the plan. You build your life. You make decisions every day that are, that are either solid, rock-solid decisions that are going to hold. Or you make decisions that are, that are shaky. You might build an education. You might be building a resume. Uh, building experience building a career, building relationships, 
You might even build a family. We're all, we're all builders. We're all building something. And, and this lesson here that Jesus gives tells us that you get to choose who or what you're going to build on. You have to make the choice what you're going to build our lives on, our relationships, our families. Even if, even if your family is just you right now. Even if that's it, you are the family unit. It's just you right now. This applies because you have to choose who or what you will build your life on. And so Jesus backs up the truck to the work site of, of our lives, the work site of your life, and he offers unlimited resources and materials for you to build your life on. He just backs the truck up and says, here's everything that you could possibly need to build your life on a solid foundation. He even offers the plans. He offers uh, the, the details, security, and a swimming pool. Maybe not. You might have to do the pool yourself. This is, this is one of those texts, Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 29, that has, it has both principles and promises. The principles are things like, like, like listening and following, and then, and then the promises of God are uh, standing or not standing. They're, they're both in here. We're going we're gonna to highlight some of this stuff and draw it out. So let's go back to verse 24. And, and what I did in verse 24 was take that, that word and and blow it up for you in capital letters and, and, and make it bright. Can you see that from the balcony? Balcony, I'm worried about your balcony. Are you, you can see it from up there? Okay. Oh, probably because it's on the jumbo screen behind your head, you ninny. He's from Graham It's okay. And, and I think that the biggest, most powerful word in this verse is three letters. And is that a conjunction? Where are my school teachers? Conjunction? Oh, it's not good. I'm pretty good. And Jesus is saying it's, it's, it's good to listen. It's okay to listen, but it's not enough. Anyone who listens to my teaching and it's got to be both. Both and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Listening is not enough. It's not enough to be a listener of Jesus. Listening is good. Hearing God's word or hearing scripture taught in a setting like this is good, but Jesus says it's not enough. This reminds me of high school math. I could listen to it all day. 